You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. I'm Helen Farmer. Fantastic to have you with us on the Farmer's Kitchen podcast. It is your little slice of foodie heaven as we introduce you to the chefs, the restaurateurs, the tastemakers, and we had all of that and more on today's episode. Broadcasting live from La Nina here at ICD Brookfield Place, we were speaking to the chef behind it, Portuguese cuisine, some of his favourites from the menu, and what's going down really well with the diners too. We were also having a little chat with Sama Hamada. He is the man behind Akibadori and now Emmy Squared Pizza. But what does it take to build a successful brand here in Dubai? He shared his secret sauce. And we were speaking to blogger, writer, food expert, aka food goddess Emmy, about some of her places that she goes back to time and time again. Plus, we were getting your take on what is missing from the Dubai dining scene. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're broadcasting live this afternoon from La Nina at ICD Brookfield Place. And speaking now to the man in charge, the guy at the helm of the kitchen, Chef Ricardo Gonzalez is with us this afternoon. I am delighted to be in your presence and really excited to eat your food. How are you, Chef? I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for making time for us. I know Fridays are crazy busy. You've got a packed restaurant through there. People looking very, very happy indeed. Now, for anyone that hasn't been to Lenina, we're going to be exploring some of the dishes you've got here, but we're talking your native Portugal, Latin America, some Spanish. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Uh, I grew up in the north of Portugal. Uh, the, the city's name is Valongo, is in the Porto uh, area. Um, after that, I did a few years uh, in France before coming to Dubai, and now I'm here. It's been almost eight years wow. at Olivia. You've cooked some British foods and here in Dubai, usually saying some France, some of your native Portugal. Tell us a little bit about the cuisines that have come together at La Nina. Uh, La Nina is an expression, uh, how to explain in, in an easy way, <laughs> is a modern take on Latino. Uh, so we take some of the best ingredients from uh, Portugal, Spain, and we just and Latin America, and we just uh, do a modern take on on traditional dishes. So tell us a little bit about some of the dishes that you were eating growing up in your native Portugal. I mean, I grew up in a very very traditional Portuguese family, so all of our dishes are uh, quite heavy. Uh, but uh, what what make me and what make me go to this industry as well was those Sundays uh, lunches with the family, uh, all big dishes, uh, all the family gather. It was uh, was what really made me go to this to this uh, uh, job as a chef. I think we kind of forget that, um, like, yes, it's amazing to eat, but it's also to do with being together and communication and celebration. And when I told yeah sharing yeah sharing, when I told my friend I was coming here today, she was like, "It's divine in there," and then she said "divine" about five times. That's good. That's good, right? But what does that mean to you to have guests? You know, you obviously get to see their faces in the restaurant, and then Dubai is a small place. You know, news travels fast of somewhere fantastic. What's it like to be getting feedback like that? Uh, it's great, and we have we had a very good uh, beginning in Laninga. And one of the things that uh, my my mentor in in this kitchen in this uh, company uh, chef team taught me is that we need to cook for the guests. Uh, there's them no first. Them first. Uh, it's not. There's no longer that that chef mentality of cooking for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We need to cook for the guests, <laughs> and I think that's why we're getting so much positive feedback regarding the food because we cook what people want. Let's talk the menu because the menu. we are going to be sampling some later in the show as well. What are some, let's start with your favorite dishes and then we can talk about what's going down really well with clients and diners. So when you're putting together the concept, the menu, 
Was there anything you were like, oh my goodness, I cannot wait to get that served? I mean, as Portuguese, there's a few dishes that we we brought from from uh, from from my country. Uh, like I said, we just tried to do it in a modern way. Mm-hmm. So it's and we get that feedback a lot from, f- especially from Portuguese guests, that the dishes are not as they used to have at home, which is what we look for as well. Uh, so, for example, we have the bolinhos de bacalhau, the cut fritters, that we just we just uh, do it in a different way. Uh, the piri piri chicken that you're gonna try later, we just incorporate another element, uh, another levels of flavor that is they're not used to uh, back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll say the Portuguese takes of the dishes that we do here. That's kind of exciting for you. I had a Portuguese friend come here at the weekend, actually. And what was the feedback? Uh, He, on his Instagram, put five stars on a a little Portuguese flag. Um, So what about what's going down well with diners? What what are you seeing just like flying out of the kitchen at the minute, chef? I mean, in Dubai, there's always the top sellers in all all the restaurants. Uh, Tuna, Tuna Tartar is always one of the top sellers in every restaurant. Uh, We have a take on on, uh, uh, truffle coca. Um, that? that you're gonna try as well Ooh. so I'll just leave that for for later uh, and then on the mains I think because of the decoration of of the restaurant as well helps we sell a lot of seafood here mm-hmm. uh, we source uh, all our seafood comes from uh, Spain Portugal uh, France so it's high quality uh, products if we're, if we receive something that we're not happy with it we don't mm-hmm. serve them uh, during that day so I think what helps and what uh, helps people consuming more of the seafood is also the quality of, of the course, products. It has to, it has to. There's nowhere to hide with seafood. With seafood, no. And now everyone in Dubai has a bit of a sweet tooth, myself included. What about desserts? What are some of the favorites? Uh, w- you're going to try it as well later. <sighs> you're going to have the full menu experience. <laughs> oh um, I should have skipped lunch. <laughs> but we, uh, we have uh, uh, the top sellers is the avocado that you're going you're gonna to try and we're going to talk about that later and the uh, laninga cake that is a chocolate cake with 10 different layers that symbolize the, the countries that Laninga represents. Uh, maybe I'll do that as well. That if you still amazing. Still have stomach for it. I'll try my very best. It's a different, it's a different stomach for dessert, mm-hmm. I find. Um, Chef, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the, any cooking techniques that are perhaps unique to the restaurant or that you learned you know, in France or Portugal that you're bringing to the kitchens here at La Nina. No, what we try to, to do here is, like I said, we, we take the traditional uh, dishes from Latin America and Spain and we just do the modern take. Uh, so, for example, we have the lamb barbacoa on the menu that traditionally is cooked on banana leaf under the ground. Mm-hmm. Obviously, here we can't do that, but we still wrap it with banana leaves. We just cook it on sous vide. Uh, so, what about dishes that you're excited to introduce people to? Because I also feel that yes, food is about sharing and celebration, but it can also be about education as well. And for me, when I've been to countries or restaurants, sometimes when I've tried something for the first time, or I've had a friend go, "We came here and." The, you know, the, the way to recommend this and, you know, oh my goodness, it was the dish of the night. So anything we like, oh, I really wish that more people would try X, Y, Z because perhaps they couldn't get it anywhere else in the city. I will, again, I will say the, our seafood dishes um, because it's very difficult in, in Dubai to get nice seafood dishes uh, like the, the, the Dover sole that we have, the turbo uh, that the, 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 the waiters prepare a table side, they explain the sauce. They explain all the process of cooking. Uh, I think that really 
connects people with a dish. And I think that's such a good point, like the training of staff, because you guys are obviously on fire in the kitchen. You've got hungry diners, and sometimes that's where restaurants fall short. Well, it's, it's, it's that middle piece. It's that communication of this is where it's from, and this is what we've done, and this is why you are going to love it. And judging by the smiling faces out there, it seems like everybody's smiling. No, it. we always have time for, for training, and we have a training program uh, in, in this company. And every week we refresh because it's very important for, for the front of our staff, for the kitchen staff to know what they're doing and why they're doing, uh, even for, for, for them you, themselves, yeah, exactly. it's, 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 it's super important. We're really excited to try your food. Chef Ricardo, thank you so much for your time and thank opening you your restaurant to us for, uh, for the next few hours. It's been an absolute pleasure. We're going to be learning more about the offering here from dining in the garden to a business lunch as well. It is Farmer's Kitchen with me, Helen Farmer, broadcasting live from ICD Brookfield Place this afternoon. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're joined now by the chef, Ricardo, from La Nina, and also from the brand, uh, Yasmin Daheb is with us. Um, you must have the nicest job in the world, Yasmin, having this as your office. What are some of your favorites on the menu? It's actually a dream job, <laughs> honestly. Um, and surprisingly, it's my first experience in hospitality. Uh, and you started I'm at the top. Every single minute of it. I bet. So we've just we've just been talking about some of the new additions on the menu, and chefs brought some out now, including an incredible lobster taco with some avocado. And tell us a little bit about the decision to change things up on the menu, and when do you decide to switch something out or bring something in? What what role does seasonality play? Uh, also the weather. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, right. Also has a, yeah. For example, the two dishes that I brought now they're uh, meant to for summer. So they're uh, lighter, lighter, they're fresher, um, and like I said before, we cook for the guests. So we we take in consideration all the feedbacks that we get from uh, from the waiters, and we just try to adapt the, the menu to, to to please them. Can you talk us through what's in front of us now? Sure. So uh, the lobster taco that we just introduced. I'm going to have a little nibble, and while you talk, please that's do. Okay. <laughs> okay. The lobster taco that we introduced to the menu uh, last week. And it's been uh, well. It was the top seller since uh, since last week and yesterday. Really? Yesterday Straight was on. yeah. Uh, it, it pleases people. So we have uh, chipotle and uh, corn tortilla, mm -hmm. uh, lobster lobster meat that is uh, involved with uh, scotch bonnet aioli, mango, sesame seeds, spring onion. Do you know what's lovely? You've got this, the softness, like the yielding meat, and then you've got the crisps. So yeah. you've, you've got this textural The sweetness kind of from going the mango, on, the creaminess from the avocado. So it's like richness, everything. but it's also yeah. fresh. It really, really works. And in this bowl, is this a new addition too, or is this a yes, favorite? Yes, as well. It's uh, uh, artichoke salad. So mm -hmm. we just try to get all the ingredients from Portugal and Spain and put it on a salad. So we have artichokes, uh, setina, manchego, uh, then the dressing, we try to avoid wastage as well. Now it's a big, a big issue all over mm -hmm. the world. So all the the trimmings that we cannot use from the artichoke, we just blend it in and we do a dressing with it. So even from it the whole way through. All the way through. There's zero wastage. And some f is this a fig tart? What this is, is a truffle coca. Oh, this is the truffle coca. Yes. Okay, tell us more. This is the the top seller. So a, a coca is a Spanish flatbread. We can call it. Pizza, if, uh, no, it's way more yeah, than that. It's much better, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and again, it's one of the dishes that that pleases uh, the, the the guests in Dubai. Truffle, yeah, cheesy. Check. 
figs just for the sweetness. And do you know what? I know it shouldn't matter, but it's very beautiful for everyone's Instagram. As well. It does matter. It does. Um, Yasmin, tell us a little bit about the offering here. You've got this stunning space, and we'll we'll put some photos on our Instagram story so people can get an idea, but you've got this wall-to-wall, beautiful blue tiles. You've got the garden outside, and it looks like a space that works as well during the day and at night. Um, but there's people having lunch here who I'm very jealous of that this is just their Friday. Tell us about the business lunch. Yes, so... The place definitely helps a lot. The fact that we have our garden, which is literally a break from the city. Mm-hmm. Um, La Nina is nestled in the middle of the IFC, which is obviously full of skyscrapers and, and also um, the tenants of ICD Brookfield, the building that we're in, uh, really, really enjoy this uh, peaceful space, like a and peaceful break. Exactly. You almost forget that you're in Dubai while having lunch. Um, and I think what they enjoy the most, which is at least why at what I enjoy the most, is the business lunch um, that we propose here. We have really amazing offerings um, where you can discover our menu. Um, so we have the first one, which is one starter and one main for 115 dirhams, um, which is a Re- dream for the quality, for the quality of really food, good value. Um, quality and quantity. So we have the same dishes, um, obviously a smaller selection, mm-hmm. but the same dishes that we offer for dinner. Um, so the quality doesn't change. It's just the perfect way to discover our menu to get a glimpse of what La Nina offers um, and then to come discover the rest for dinner. So, What are some of your favorites on the menu, Yasmin? Um, my personal favorite as a starter is the canelon, the one that we discussed earlier. My, listen, when I said to my friend I was coming, she was like, you need to have this shredded shredded chicken canelon. It's, it's amazing. So it's the first time that I tried it was at La Nina. I, I didn't know about this dish before. And... I really absolutely love it because obviously there's cheese inside, it's mm-hmm. chicken, but it's so rich in flavor for a starter. For me, I, I honestly cannot spend a week without eating cannelon. <laughs> so um, chef, I really I, some chicken's it. been brought to the table. Yes. Is this uh, some peri-peri chicken? It's the peri-peri chicken, the uh, but in our take. Landing a take. Okay, tell us more. So, just to tell you a little bit about the process of, of the chicken, um, we brine the chicken for 12 hours yeah. uh, and then it's marinated for 12 more hours. Oh gosh. So, it takes uh, 24 hours just the chicken to be ready to be cooked. It looks to the guests. sensational. I mean, the char on that looks absolutely. Okay, how spicy are we talking? It's, it's a peri peri chicken. Peri peri chicken. Okay. Spiciness I, level depends on on. Do you know well. what? I will try it off air. So it's I'd quite okay. Well, it's I don't okay. eat spicy, and I can handle it. Okay. Also, we the crema that we put on top, the guindilla salsa, just breaks a little bit of, of the spiciness, uh, and the char that uh, you were talking about. I mean, we have the Rolls Royce of the ovens inside that kitchen, Jasper, uh, that really helps in in the cooking. Guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I'm going to hand over to the news team so I can have some lunch now. Yasmin, Ricardo, really appreciate your time and the efforts from the kitchen, especially on a Friday, as I said. I know you're incredibly busy this afternoon and through to this evening. We are broadcasting live from La Nina here at ICD Brookfield Place. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well. 
Live well. Not one but two chefs with us today. Chef coming from Social at Waldorf Story and Supper Club superstar Chef Gabriella from Girl and the Goose joining us now. They are co-hosting a very special forehand dinner next week, 26th and 27th of May. So the fact they've stolen themselves away from their respective kitchens and collaborations to join us to have a chat, really appreciate it. How are you both? All good, all good. Thank you to have us here. Today. My pleasure. It no. was a big pleasure for us. Well, we've, we've spoken in the studio before, but I kind of prefer it here. Where we've got some food in front <laughs> of us. Um, we're going to be talking about how your cuisines are coming together. But, Gabrielle, tell us, where are you from? What's your, what's your background? Hola, Helen, and thank you for having me My here. Pleasure. It's a pleasure. Well, I started cooking or hosting people at my home about four years ago. This is when my journey started as a chef. I always wanted to be a chef. You know, this is, was my childhood dream. But life always took me to somewhere else. And one day I just decided to follow my dream, to follow my passion. And just last year as well, I went to Barcelona for about six months to complete a, a culinary specialization as well. Wow. And since then, uh, things are, are, been, are going super well, so well that now I have the pleasure to have a forehand collaboration I'm with Chef Carmine. so excited. I love, I love this, the, the following the passion, because it's something that so many people would love to do. And I'm a big, my big kind of fear in life is that, oh my goodness, what if I've wasted time? What if I've missed opportunities? What if I didn't? And you can look back and go, I did everything in, in my power to make that dream a reality. And that comes across in your food as well. So your home country is where, Gabriela? Well, I'm from Nicaragua. That's a very far, far away land from here. And I came here because I, first I came to work as a cabin crew for an airline. But I w- was always doing something in between. You know, I was either having a shopping global village for three years. And then I was selling hand ma- handbags and hammocks, helping female um uh, artisans back back home and I was also trying to sell my dad's coffee <laughs> and finally <laughs> uh, along with MMI I was able to bring one of the roms from Nicaragua here. Wow. So there's a lot of influences going on and then we're going to throw some Italian in the mix. Tell yeah. us a little bit about you chef. So I am Carmine, chef of social and I come from Napoli, south of Italy and uh, nowadays since I'm chef I have to say thanks to my grandmother is it a proper nonna story? Yes, Yay. it's a proper nonna story. We already talked about <laughs> last time. And uh, yeah, I have to say thanks to her because uh, years back, Napoli was a tough country. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to her to drive me a little bit. I was passionate how she cook. Mm-hmm. She, has, uh, she was cooking for 20, 30 people every oh. Saturday, Sunday, Gosh. really traditional dish. And then I started with her to make uh, the first meatballs polpetta parmigiana, lasagna, gnocchi. And uh, thanks to her, this one is my passion, is come up. And then I went to the professional school uh, in Rieti, in Rome. And then thanks to them, I started to work in uh, five luxury hotels in the capital. And uh, by mentor there, uh, they say, you should go outside of Italy to see what's going on around. Wow. And then I started to work with the big two and three Michelin star from London, Spain, uh, Asia. And nowadays I am here in uh, World of Story Palm Jumeirah Social. How long have you been in Dubai for now, Chef? One year, exactly three One days year? ago. Oh, happy <laughs> Dubai birthday. <laughs> thank you. Isn't thank it funny? I, my, my Dubai birthday is January 11th. I never forget it. Yeah. But it's interesting because I feel like, and we're going to be talking about later in the show um, with Sam Hamaday about the chef community. And I feel like it's changed an awful lot. You know, 10 years ago, there wasn't that much collaboration. People were quite protective over, you know, where they were sourcing products from. And 
now I think Gabriela you're such a great example of this you know you were working with Chef Luisa recently um, you know bringing together some South American dishes and now we're talking Italian fusion as well how do you feel about that community and, and how it's evolved and you're obviously really enjoying it absolutely um, when people ask me what are the challenges you know as a chef that I have and I know that out there maybe 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, it was very highly competitive, mm -hmm. but I come from a different environment. And I have to say that the community of chefs out there, all of them, they have supported me. You know, um, I have had to work a lot to get to know people, but the, the amount of support you know, and the and the kindness mm -hmm. has been incredible. I have nothing to complain whether I am working on a forehand collaboration or, or whether I am working in someone else's kitchen, which I just did uh, the Fairmont. And I was with Chef Darren and he was super supportive with all his team. So um, I think also we have realized that the only way that our community can grow is actually if you help others to succeed. And the diners are the real winners in this because we're getting some incredible combinations. So tell us a little bit about how these cuisines are going to come together because social, some really high-end Italian dishes obviously with your background um, and then we're bringing in some Nicaraguan but you're also talking about Spanish influences as well. How do you, Chef, see these cuisines working uh, together? It's worked together because uh, Chef Gabriela was, uh, the first time I met Chef Gabriela was a guest of my chef table in social. Oh, wow. Yes. And uh, we found talking, talking, and uh, we found the, the connection between each other from our comfortable food, mm -hmm. because we find this connection by our uh, grandmother. And then it's come up the idea why we don't do something together with the, our comfortable food, but show to the guest how passion and love it we put on it with our background and skills and she said yes why not and then we start to talk tell us then how about how it's going to work in practice how are you how many courses and how are you splitting the work up next week um it's going to be uh, a six course menu but we are also going to have a little bit more of that latin hospitality because at the end of the day Spanish, uh, Latin Americans, Italians, we all come from the same Latin roots. So there will be a little bit more. There are the bread, there is the starters, there is the mush bush, and there is this amazing butter that they oh. made as well. So we need to come hungry from, the, from the very beginning. Absolutely, absolutely. Can you tell us what's on the menu? So um, for from my side, I am someone that have spe specialized in seafood. So um, people say that my seafood, ceviches are amazing mm -hmm. so for sure there will be one uh, ceviche in there that we are doing it with a jalapeno um, sorbet and also with grapefruit and there will also be a sibas because sibas is one of those fishes that are more relatable to Nicaragua to that part of the world so we will have something like that and um, we're going to come up with two dishes that this is where we join on our, col our collaboration yeah. Um, the gnocchis, of course, and that they will be made from tapioca, a roast vegetable from oh, Nicaragua. Oh, interesting. So it's a true Amer fusion then. Yes. So it's yes. not just splitting it up. We're bringing together flavors and techniques from, from both, on sometimes on the same plate. It's correct. We have our uh, touch on it, but at the same time, this fusion from Latin and Italian, we create two plates together, which is, is the combination of uh, main ingredient and uh, will be the amazing spot to show to the guest how from another land to another land f 
confusion can match each other. Communication. Amazing. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much for coming here. I really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you get back to your respective kitchens and the planning and the alchemy of all of this coming together. How to, we've had a message going, sounds amazing, where and when. So it's going to be social. It's at your, it's in your kitchen that we'll have a store in the Palm Chef. Correct. Um, and you can find out more how, Gabriela, well, how can people book? It's next week, 26, 27, it's right? It's 26, 27 at the Waldorf Astoria at the Palm at Social, and they can book through the hotel or just reach out to Garanti Goose in the Instagram account or uh, Chef Carmin's account, and then we can... We're going to make it even easier. If you send me the word... I don't know, dinner. I will send you a link and then you can find out that way. I can send you contact details. So I you can book love out. it. That Thank makes sense. So much. Make it make even it more easier. easier. Next <laughs> week, 26th, 27th. It's going to be at social. It's going to be a real celebration, true fusion and two of the best in the business coming together for two nights only. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai I 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. Talking to industry insider now, from Saudi to his native Lebanon to here in Dubai, from agency life to events, tech to nightlife, and now F&B. Sam Hamdeh is something of an industry insider when it comes to hospitality. He is the man responsible for Japanese street food concept Akibadori, which has now expanded into Saudi, and now Emmy Squared Pizza, which launched in Abu Dhabi a few years ago and just this month in Dubai. He's also on the steering committee for the Arts Club here at ICD Brookfield Place, and... The man behind a, a certain burger that's doing incredibly well at Eleven Green. Thank you for making time. Do you have more hours in the day than anybody else, Summer? I, I think I have. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, you and, Be- I, you and Beyonce. I try to work as little as possible. <laughs> that is not true. That's the secret. That is not true. I want to talk about secrets, actually, and the kind of the secret source in building a successful brand. But before we get to that, when did you come to Dubai and what were your kind of initial impressions of nightlife and food back then? Um... <clears throat> I moved out here almost 20, 20 years ago now. Gosh. Uh, almost 20 years ago now. My impression, I mean, obviously the city was mind-boggling at the time. I remember landing, going straight from the airport to Emirates Towers, to Scarlet's at the time. Oh, oh yes. Which I miss that place. It just reminds <laughs> me of a totally different era. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, I was always like, if you want to dance with a man the same age as your dad, <laughs> go to Scarlet's. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that, but I mean, I was 23, we, so... Yeah. yeah, but we used, to, we used to go and have some fondue agency and then go to Scarlet's. It was, at a, yeah, it was so, a good time. So that was a great place to start. Emirates Towers remained my favorite, uh, architecturally speaking, and towers then, and then in, in the city. And some karaoke upstairs. Little yeah, Harry Gatto's. Absolutely. El Nafura, the Lebanese there, which mm-hmm. I still think is the best in the market. Um, yeah, so my first impression, I'd say, I mean, coming from Beirut, where everything is homegrown, um, nightlife, the food, every single concept in Lebanon was made in Lebanon. Mm-hmm. So it was moving, moving here was like moving back to Saudi. So there are lots of franchises. Mm-hmm. Actually, everything was almost, almost everything was a franchise, except for maybe at the time, again, Emirates Towers, who had their own homegrown uh, brands and uh, Dubai Marine. Yes. Other than that, everything was a franchise. So every everywhere you went, you, everywhere you were driving, it was one American or English brand after the other, and uh, that was it. And now we're all about celebrating the homegrown, and we're seeing brands exporting out of the city. Yeah, it was bound to happen. Um, Dubai operates like a incredible company, I'd say, rather than a government or like a city, and companies export their successful divisions, successful brands, successful IPs, and push their people that no can go on to do that, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think one of the, the main um, push uh, strategies, if you will, has always been hospitality because it's part of tourism and we're the kings of tourism in Dubai. Absolutely. This is an undisputed fact, I think, globally at this point in time. So, the so yeah, changes, we've come a long way. We really have. The changes have been really significant and we've seen lots of openings and... A fair few closures too. Now, Normal. you're known for building brands that people love. 
What do you think is that secret sauce? I don't know if it's a secret sauce more than it is um, a lot of, I want to say, work in the sense that I don't open places or launch places on a whim. It's not like, oh, I'm I'm having a great taco. I'm going to open a taco place because I think I can do it better. Um, when I launched the Kibadori, uh, I was looking at the fastest growing cuisines in the world. I always wanted to take it out of Dubai. And Asian is the fastest growing cuisine in the world. And I think it's Indian, Chinese, and Japanese in the top three. So I don't want to make Indian food because Dubai is completely like Saturated. overloaded. Mm-hmm. Um, Chinese food, very difficult to gauge which province you want to deal with. Um, Japanese was a very big opportunity for me. So I think the secret really was just knowing what... Um, what market I wanted to go after or what part of the market I wanted to go after. Let's talk a little bit about that assessment. What kind of questions are you asking? What about travel and research? That must be a tough part of the job, she I, said, with no sympathy at all. Sure. <laughs> I, okay, so the crazy story is I've never been to Japan, which is why Akiba... I know, I know, it's actually terrible. terrible. Uh, Akiba Dori looks the way it does is I wanted it to look like uh, a fantasy Japanese mm-hmm. restaurant, something that you would imagine to see in an, in an animated series or in a movie, not something you'd see in actual Japan, which is why I don't have any Japanese customers. They all go to Tomo, and they go to the actual authentic Japanese places. So I don't want to be authentic. I want it to be a my-slash-Dubai's version of a, what a Japanese restaurant could look like, taste like, sound like, feel like. And that's how Akibadori was born. So um, also, there was no mid-market Japanese. Mm-hmm. Everything was either fast food or super high-end Japanese disguised as um, Peruvian or Peruvian disguised as Japanese. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. In conversation now with Summer Hamaday. Now, Summer, you have launched brands here that are doing incredibly well, being exported as we were talking earlier. So I want to run some of our listener suggestions past you. Sure. Are you ready? This is in real time. We're going to get some real reactions. Okay, now I'm just going to tell you mine first of all. Sure. Which is a good old-fashioned sandwich shop. It's nothing flash. It's maybe on like the corner of a something. Maybe the sandwich fillings are in old ice cream ice pots, like coronation chicken, grated cheese and pickle, soft white bread, with maybe a little bit too much butter, but you don't care. What do you think? Oh, I think that's actually the best idea. Do you want to go into business? Today. Sure. Okay. We'll talk right we'll after. We'll talk this. after. Yeah, sure. Okay. We've had not one, not two, not three, but four suggestions for Greg's. Sure. I mean, it's a sausage roll. <laughs> Yay. Okay. What about a proper greasy spoon cafe? A greasy spoon cafe. Don't we have enough? Uh... I don't think so. Okay. I mean, where I'm from, it's not just a cafe. It's like a van. And it's, it'll park up on the motorway and it'll have something called like the gut buster breakfast sandwich. Yeah. But we do have a lot. I mean. Do we? I see like hundreds of food trucks. And, yeah, but but n- they're parked, right? They're not really. I don't know. I think you might be onto something. I maybe. Think, uh, maybe. All right. What about vegan Korean fried chicken? Vegan Korean fried chicken. Um Okay, next. Uh, Gambia, Gambian cuisine. I think there's a huge market for African cuisine um, globally. Actually, it's uh, it's an incredible it's it's incredible food culture, and every country has something very unique. So that's very particular. So you have to, I guess, research, make sure you have Mm -hmm. enough people. But there you go. Nick Fraser saying a hot roast sandwich shop, roast lamb, beef, etc. That actually, anything that's that straightforward and simple is magic. Anything with gravy. Well, also just a very specialized kind of sandwich shop is great. Someone's asking about tamales. 
uh, J.A. saying, I really want some authentic Mexican food. Any, where do you like for Mexican? Lila Taqueria. Me too. Went it's, there last week. It's I've amazing. I've been there more times than I've been to any of my restaurants in the last <laughs> month. That's unbelievable. You massive traitor. Right. <laughs> send yours in to 4001. Um, we might not be able to get the expert. Take is only with us for a few more minutes, but you'll certainly get into the draw to win that 500 dirham voucher. Let's talk Emmy Squared. You are the man that's brought us a Kibadori, which is thin Japanese pizza, marinara sauce. It's incredible. It's incredible. Now... We're going rectangular. We're going Detroit. Yes. We're going thicker dough. Tell us more. So, it, not really a, a a reason other than it's ridiculously good pizza. You've tried it, That's so maybe enough. you can vouch for that. That's enough. So, I was in uh, New York City in 2017 with my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, Tala, and we went into this place called Emmy Squared that had just opened in the West Village, and I thought it's a, ph- a phenomenal product. And Detroit Pizza was was literally about to take off in the U.S. All the big brands were trying to do it. So I reached out to the owners of Emmy Squared, who are legends on the New York scene, specifically in Brooklyn. Emily Highland being the chef. So Emmy short for Emily. And um, we said, look, I'm going to bring it to Dubai. So I was their first international franchise, uh, franchisee, if you will. And we opened Abu Dhabi first, actually, in Yas Bay. Detroit-style pizza is not Chicago deep dish pizza. So a lot of people you know say oh why don't you do chicago deep dish well because people have tried chicago deep dish and for me it's more like a lasagna Mm -hmm. i hope there's nobody here from chicago who's gonna wait for me in the parking lot but (laughs) uh so Detroit style square uh, is is a 67 year old uh, pizza pie with sicilian origins so like a sicilian grandmother was living in detroit her son-in-law or her her whatever granddaughter's husband um worked at a auto auto shop and found these like big steel trays the blue trays they call them that's why they're rectangular yeah that's why they're rectangular because so he brought the tray back he's like no no you know try uh, try to make a pizza like a sicilian pie on this tray and they greased it up with oil olive oil and that's why it's called grandma style pizza and most of my friends that grew up in lebanon they're like oh yeah my grandmother used to make this pizza like put it in a pan stretch it out and put whatever toppings we could find so it's a pretty cool story the way it started it's one of the most popular pizza joints that's like not a major franchise in the mm-hmm. U.S. They're going to have, what, 100 stores by the end of the year. When I signed, there was like three. Wow. It's grown It's grown incredibly fast. And one of the reasons I brought Emmy Squared here is because I want them to help me take Akibadori to the U.S., yeah. which is was always was always a plan to, to export that brand. The food's fantastic. It's yeah. just opened um, just off Beach Road in the Beachwalk Hotel in Correct. Jumeirah, very close to Dubai Offshore Sailing Club. Um, I have to say, staff were fantastic. I love, love, love all the artwork. My kids were running around looking, trying to spot... Who they know. Who they knew, yeah. all these kind of hand-drawn um, celebrity portraits and, you know, pizza in different situations, little kind of, you know, with little, little faces, a little Emmy. So we turned it into a New York, like a New Yorker cartoon. So the idea behind the illustration, so the owners of the brand trusted me to reimagine what Emmy Squared looked like. So what it looks like here doesn't look like, it doesn't look the same in the US. So I completely uh, re- re- redid it with with my designer. And um, we wanted to celebrate New York street culture and New York culture in general without doing something super obvious. So mm-hmm. not the most obvious celebrities. I picked celebrities that people didn't know were from New York. So Timothy Chalamet is a New Yorker. My sister's like, isn't he Canadian? And then she's like, oh my God, he's from New York. I Be- didn't even make that connection. I'm yeah, so exactly. well, so, yeah so, I mean, it's fine. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> Favorite topping on the menu? Oh, wow. Um, off the record or on the record? No, you're on the radio. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I, I love the, the the colony, which is the That's uh, what we had. yeah the pepperoni with the pickled jalapenos. jalapenos. But I have a soft spot for the um, Hawaiian. 
it's your secret safe with me. I'm, I don't yeah, mind don't a bit tell of anybody about that. I will not it's tell actually any really Italian good. friends. It's really good. And no one's listening. To, no Italians are listening to the show. Italians do not come at us at 4001. I also no. really like the Brussels sprout salad. It was it's delicious. a good salad, right? It's a great It's shockingly salad. good. So it is open right now. Before I let you go, um, Michelin big announcements we're expecting next week. It's been about a year yep. since Michelin launched in Dubai. Yep. And I'm curious from your industry insider point of view, what's significant changes do you think we have seen or that we were expecting that haven't materialized in the last year since these awards came out? I, I, I'm, I'm a person of very low expectations when it comes to business in general. I mean, when it comes to that level of mm. that, impact, that, valor, that value, that mm. level of business. But um, it's good to see a lot of the homegrown brands like now 21 Grams getting their Viv Gourmand, which is incredible. An amazing, amazing brand led by an amazing team. I think what Michelin's doing for Dubai um, on a food quality service creativity perspective is incredible. I hope to see a lot more homegrown brands. I do too. And as much as I love chef-driven uh, concepts, it's the, if it's the same chef-driven concept coming in from Paris, London, or New York, m- for me personally, I don't really, you know... It's not it, that exciting. It, it doesn't sway me to want to go try a place out. Yeah. Again, I'm not, I'm not knocking chef-led concepts. I think it's great, but I want to see more... Dubai homegrown concepts, Emirati chef-driven con- uh, concepts that are mm-hmm. getting Michelin recognition, if you will, or really any recognition to, to support a new industry because ultimately we're an expat city, but the Emirati crowd loves food more than anybody else. I mean, the, the, the biggest foodie community here is Emirati. So there's a couple of chefs, some amazing Emirati chefs. I just hope, you know, a few of them get kind of pushed to developing more uh, Michelin level concepts in the next couple of years so we can have real homegrown local brands also yeah. it'll be really interesting to see what happens next week Definitely. lastly can we talk burgers I know we've been talking pizza this afternoon <laughs> 11 Green it's just launched yeah Sultan and Kinda tell us a little bit about the brand story there so the guy who uh, uh, the guy well an old old friend of mine Sultan Shatila used to do a supper club with his wife Kinda called Tano's at 8 super popular really good paella. yeah they used to sell out like they I remember seeing it live on Instagram and it sold out 30 minutes later so they built a, an incredible community over 4 or 5 years then he started making a burger called the Bull Burger and the Bull Burger ended up winning him the best burger in Dubai at a competition that actually, I think even Steve was just saying from Pickle, well, he was on the committee. Mohammed Urfali was on the committee. So some big, Legit. big names on the, yeah. So, and that took him to Dallas, Texas for the World Food Championships. And he, was, he went there with no expectations, which is actually very, very sound for a budding restaurateur, if you will. Someone who's been corporate for 20 years. And they went to Dallas and he came in third place. Whoa. And the burger category, which is probably the most cutthroat category in any any uh, any food uh, competition he came back he's like i want to open a restaurant a friend of ours connected us he's like not connected us, but he's like listen sultan wants to do it just give him you know your advice and i ended up partnering up with him i'm like i'm, I'm in if, if you faith. need if you need me i'm in like here to help and uh, it's been incredible we've been selling out every night um where great, can we find crowd. it it's in Mian Mall on Althania Street. So it's actually right under 21 grams. So this is becoming quite the foodie destination. Latin Green, massive kudos to Sultan Kinder. Incredible. Again, proper homegrown success story. And simple. Where can we find Emmy? One last time we've had a message. Emmy is at the Beachwalk Hotel on Beach Road, right behind Dubai Offshore Sailing Club. It's there on Google go. Maps as well. Emmy Squared. Guys, it's been so lovely to catch up with you, Sam. I really, really Always appreciate it. Have a fantastic Friday. You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
Joining us live from Right Bite, we've got Rawan Nuncha. She is the head clinical dietitian to hold our hand through some nutrition minefields. And I think a lot of people are just completely overwhelmed with what we should be eating, what we could be eating, what we should be avoiding. It feels like in the news every day, it's like, coffee's amazing, coffee's terrible, you know, <laughs> and it gets a little bit confusing. How are you? Good, how are you? Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. And well, thank you for asking. Tell us a little bit about your background. Why did you become passionate about nutrition? Well, uh, long story short, I uh, grew up in a uh, in a in a culture where I'm from Jordan, so we grew up in a culture where food is really everything, right? Food is love. It's, yes, it is. <laughs> and I definitely grew up on the heavier weight, and um, I I wanted to change that for myself and for for the people I love around me. And I thought, you know what, nutrition is definitely something that I can. Um, you know, study and 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 work um, with, and it's definitely passion. Mm-hmm. And I always say, you know what? It definitely start, starts with self love. And once you understand the knowledge uh, behind it, you really need know how to apply that. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, emotional eating is such a such a big topic, but sure. I think it's a re- I think it's a really important one if someone is looking to get to or to maintain a healthy weight because it's not just calories in, calories out. It's understanding sure. your motivations, and I'm I'm you know much the same as you and it wasn't just looking at my diet and exercise it was why uh, you know nine o'clock am I saying I'm hungry when I'm actually just bored or I'm frustrated or I'm celebrating that always seemed to be an excuse and by kind of understanding that it it was kind of the missing piece for sustained weight management does that make sense yes yes 100% I mean that's true a lot of people think it's as easy as you know calories in calories out but there's so much into it your nutrition your exercise your sleeping pattern Mm -hmm. your hydration your relationship with yourself your relationship with food your relationship with others it's it's such a complex equation to uh, to sort of if you want to lose weight or gain weight or just manage medical conditions um but I mean once you sort of get to understand how your body works it becomes very natural yeah I think for me you know I was was like kind of treating myself or I was punishing myself with food and actually when you have this understanding or realization you realize that actually you know you nourish yourself you look after yourself and that's how you can really feel your best now I think for a lot of people though we think about healthy food as you know you steam broccoli and you steam (laughs) chicken and that doesn't get anyone very excited what are some of your kind of tips and tricks as nutritionists for you know packing a nutritional punch but also not compromising on any flavor that's so true well I do work at Right Bite, and at Right Bite, what makes it super unique is you. We have a we have a team of expert licensed dietitians, right, that sit there and and, and brainstorm and set all the guidelines that every meal plan has to have, uh, from the macronutrients to the macronutrient macro and micronutrients, and. And, and just to make sure that these meal plans are suitable for different um, uh, for different people. And what happens is once that's created, we have an amazing, um, our superstar chef, uh, Chef Nicolas, he sort of takes all that science back, all the, the guidelines. And, you know, this is where the magic happens, right? He just creates those amazing dishes that are super tasty. Um, and what's amazing is he keeps the authentic taste. So a lot of our clients come in and say, oh my God, this dish, it just feels like home, right? So so that's one part of it. And then turning those dishes that usually people think, you know, oh, you know, I can't have a burger or, you know, I can't have a pizza or pasta that's going to make me gain weight. And he turns those, you know, so un- called unhealthy dishes to tasty dishes. So we always want to make sure that we don't compromise on, on taste. Well, this is the thing. It has to be sustainable, doesn't it? 100%. 100%. So what about kind of tips for maintaining a healthy weight 
once you've got to your goal? What's been useful for you personally? Well, um, different things. Again, we personally, I definitely believe in long-term goals. So first of all, we need to make sure that once we set goals, they have to be very realistic, right? And once we achieve that goal, our new goal is how do I maintain this amazing form? Uh, form in the sense of physical, emotional, mental. And then we take the things that we've learned from. So for instance, for my personal case, portion control was one of big ones, right? Like I always thought, oh, but I eat salads, you know, it's all healthy food. You just eat too much of the healthy food. <laughs> the, the volume. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So volume is one of uh, one of those. And then just understanding the other parts. So I am someone that loves drinking water. And usually all my clients, they know me. The minute they step in, I was like, how is your water intake? Because water could really help with also not just quenching your thirst and, you know, um, helping the body to transport nutrients, but it really helps to regulate you know, our hunger and, and, and satiety patterns as well. How much to drink, though? I feel like that's not... Because we feel like for a long time it's been you must have your eight glasses of water every day. And for me, that wouldn't be enough. I drink a huge amount of water, whereas I'm sure Poonam won't mind me saying this, she might struggle to, you know, to drink, you know, a litre in an afternoon. So is it quite personal then in, in terms of your, you know, what, what might say to you and your body composition even. True. I mean, two liters or the eight glasses is, is, is typically um, the average for almost everyone. But then it really depends on your age and, and, and your physical activity and your requirements. You can easily go up to three, three and a half liters. You know, if you're if you're cycling on the weekend, you know, and you're losing tons of... Or it's May. Or it's May. Or it's, May. <laughs> <laughs> or it's the summer in Dubai. Yeah. So, um, so this is, this is and, and of course, we do have a way to calculate water, water intake. Um, but it's really, uh, but it's really uh, making sure that at least you do your two two liters a day. And my advice for everyone is always start your day with water. It really sets the tone for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about social media because yes. this is where so many of us get our information from. It used to be magazines and newspapers that we would, you know, get fact or shopping advice, you know, from. Now it tends to be we pick up our phone and there is. A, a so-called new expert kind of you know preaching their their truth through your tiny screen are there any things that you think oh my goodness I cannot believe that people are actually doing this I mean there's a lot of that <laughs> out there <laughs> that's for sure see most of the things that that are out there and, and and I feel like oh my god you know these one week cleansing or you know juicing or you know this is again it defeats the purpose of long-term behavior modification and change mm -hmm. it defeats the purpose of you're doing this for the most valuable thing your body right you don't want those quick fixes because you know you know you you'll do that one week of you know juicing or you know massive keto uh, diet or, or you know massive deprivation a massive deprivation i've had clients um helen that come in and literally have been on on on, on days where they're at like 600 and 700 calories <sighs> per day and it's just insane. And mm. I, when I try to explain the, you know, the, the, the science and the biology behind it, we're literally killing every cell in the body just for the sake of shedding a couple pounds. Mm. Um, I think, yeah. that, I think any resources in terms of, you know, checking you out on Instagram or anywhere you think people can get some really good advice from? Yes, of course. So my Instagram is Rawan Nucho. And of course, you can find me on Right Bite as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm leading uh, the team of dietitians there. And we actually have a, an amazing team of expert dietitians. Usually, you know, when our clients come in, they can always, you know, they, they usually sit with the, with the dietitian you and they can, you can do some myth busting in real life. Oh, too. yes, we do that. <laughs> Ron, thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well.
When it comes to Farmer's Kitchen, we love introducing you to the tastemakers, the chefs, the restaurateurs, and those who are out and about in the industry too. Speaking to us now is Olivera Safanjak, a.k.a. Food Goddess Emmy. How are you? Hello, Helen, and happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> Great to have you with us, and thank you for stealing yourself away from your desk and your many restaurant reservations to talk to us about what it is that you do and what it is that you love about food. So when did you start writing about food? Thank you for having me. Um, well, food is a part of my life since some childhood. So as a Serbian, um, food and gastronomy is something which is really big for us. It's a, it's a more of a lifestyle and a social thing. So I think that I have been involved since the day one in anything that is related to food. I don't cook. This is something that my mother is really like. Oh, mm. We have this in common. <laughs> Love food, so. terrible at the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, but, I can but, do a few pastas now and there, but uh, it's not really something that I will say, oh, wow. But then this it. is why we have more incentive to go out and try fantastic restaurants. Definitely. And uh, Dubai and uh, UAE is, is really the country that uh, has endless cuisines that you can take off. Mm. And uh, every day new restaurant openings and something tempting to come and to try. And it's really, really, really setting the the part in in the world uh, food scene of, of having the varieties and having so many different beautiful restaurants in I, th uh, I think in th that, which is a brilliant thing I love that there's lots of happening on the f on the food scene and lots of opening but it can be a bit overwhelming and confusing in terms of where should I go where is worth my hard-earned dirhams which is why I think food journalists and bloggers play a really important role because you guys are going to go out there and re report back. Um, what is it that you think, we were just talking to Sam Mohammed earlier about building a great brand, you know, what's that secret sauce for him as a restaurateur? What about is it for you as a, as a diner that makes you come away and think, I can't wait to share that. I can't wait to tell people about it. What's, what is this, uh, that kind of magic dust on a restaurant? So I think it's a, it's a more of a magic mix that you need to tackle in different uh, elements. So starting from the quality of the food, from the innovation that you come up on the, on the menu. It's not always that we are looking for, oh wow, crazy dishes. Sometimes it's really the basic ones, but just given some certain touch and, and love. Service is really something which is, um, which is a mandatory uh, nowadays, especially with the competition and especially with the, such a high level of, um, of experiences it, around. And it really can be. If someone, yeah. I don't want to say drops the ball or drops the glass, it's not necessarily about you know, accidents. For me, it's about knowing a menu. And we were just chatting earlier to Chef Ricardo from here at La Nina and he was talking about the training that they do with the staff because you can have the best chefs in the kitchen creating the most incredible food. But if you haven't got someone that can communicate where a dish is from, what dishes might work together, really help, you know, holding your hand and making suggestions. It's yeah. all lost, really. Uh, you know, sometimes even for, for me, when I come and when I, when I want to try the restaurants, besides doing the research and seeing what is the dish that uh, they should try, I uh, tend to always ask my waiter or servant to recommend me what would be the dish that is a must try mm -hmm. in the restaurant. And really, the, this, the way how they explain about the dish and the knowledge about the menu can make a difference between me trying a, a dish that wouldn't be uh, suiting my palate, comparing to something that I will be like, oh wow, this is the dish that I will come back for to uh, this restaurant. And often it's about, are you going to suggest to me the most expensive dish on the menu? Because that's an immediate red flag. Yeah. If you're going to be like, this is a real hidden gem, or do you know what, I had this last week and it was incredible. Um, it, can, it can make a massive, massive difference. So where have you enjoyed recently? Where's been featuring on your Instagram that have, people have really responded to? Oh, mine, uh, like oh, if, if, I, um, if you see my notes on the things that I have to see, I have to try and the things that, uh, that I have tried, it's uh, quite, a, quite a huge list. But I, let's say I would like to highlight a few that um, every time when I go, 
is a point of that consistency mm-hmm. and this is really key it brings you back it uh, you, you you have a guaranteed level of when i come back i will have that same dish with that same quality with the same ingredients and it's going to live up to my memories because a lot of places open and start really strong you know they might have a chef that comes over and sets up the kitchen they might have really good opening team that have been brought in for, for in from other countries or and then you go three months later and like oh this really yeah it's lost it it's it's really and again uh with such a competition so many number of restaurants that are daily opening mm-hmm. loyalty of the customer is really something that the restaurants are are struggling lately again because of the choices that you that you have because yeah, we're all like magpies like ooh, that look place looks like amazing oh, i saw this place on instagram and we are but as you say when you keep going back so where do you keep going back to Olivia? oh i keep on coming back to it's something very dear to to my heart is uh mitos it's the restaurant that really has um, has that homey feel, has something about it that every time when you go is is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I have been recently to their new branch they have opened in City Walk. I haven't been Stunning. to that one yet. Is it really? It literally transforms you in, in mini Greece, oh. how you feel inside. It's it's really beautiful. So that's something that I really want to... Uh, actually, it's it has never failed me down in any point, in any level, in, in any time oh. that I that I went. Uh, something that I actually recently discovered and that I kept coming back since uh, since that is uh, hutong, which is I was there last week. Brilliant food, really, really brilliant food. The service, the the ambience, and everything that you get it's uh, it's really something uh, that makes a vibe. My favorite Italian, which every time when I want to go and have a good pasta, will be il pastaio. Never, is, never even heard of it. Where is it? El Pastaio is uh, located in uh, Haptur uh, City. Okay. It's actually a restaurant uh, from uh, Los Angeles, from the Rodeo Drive. Quite, quite old Italian uh, school. They have such unbelievable pastas and meat. They actually launched a new menu a few days ago, and it's yummy. So okay. This be a I love a recommendation. Um, and one more that yeah, I really tell actually me. have to talk about is uh, Um Sharif. Really, when in the area that we live with so many Mediterranean um, and Middle Eastern mixes, I have to say, Om Sharif, uh, anything on the menu that you order is really stunning. Like, really, they have, um, you have to come with an empty stomach, <laughs> stretchy, and get ready stretchy to, trousers, to roll outside. <laughs> You're listening to Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8 with Spinnies. Eat well, live well. Food God SME, aka Olivera, Stephen Jack is with us today talking food where she goes back to time and time again. And I want to talk travel now. You're from Serbia, but you've recently been in Singapore. You're off to Valencia soon. Are you somebody who plans their travels around the restaurants? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm the type of the person who first books the restaurants and then books the hotels. So really? It's a mandatory thing to to have a full agenda of where exactly am I going? What am I trying? I do like to make a mix between really going from the street food to the fine dining restaurants and exploring the city and everything that needs to offer. So it really means uh, means a lot. I and mean, it's a great part of my of my travel. For me, when I, I, you know, I love traveling. But when I think about kind of memorable meals or memorable moments, they often are a dish that you know that's really stayed with you when you look back over your travels over the years can you pinpoint specific plates where you thought that was the travel moment yes and one that always comes on top of my mind and the reason why i keep on coming back to the city which is a magical city of rome is the restaurant dal bolognese which exists for probably past 50 60 years in the in the same location and their pasta bolognese is something that you're not shy to order two portions oh really <laughs> so ne- next you're off to Spain. What's happening there? Yes, I'm going to Spain. I'm attending the uh, World 50 Best Restaurant Awards. 
really exciting. Ooh. It's uh, it's taking place in in Valencia. It's going to be really a, a great mix of all of the the world renowned chefs that are coming in, and really exciting to to see who is going to take the prize. It will be interesting as well if there's any representation from this part of the world. Any predictions? Where, where any thoughts for the top five? I really don't think anyone uh, from the region at the moment. Uh, it's something which is a dining scene that is uh, really growing and uh, with the MENA 50 Best that is taking place in Abu Dhabi is really making uh, the change and, uh, and, sh- and motivating the restaurants to, mm-hmm. to work towards it. But uh, yeah, there is, um, I think there is a few of uh, very interesting um, competitors that are coming in from the Latin America because it's really uh, picking up as a, as a food scene, especially Peruvian cuisine. So I think there is going to be a... Watch this space. Will you come back mm. and tell us when you get back? Definitely. Now, I cannot let you sit in the hot seat with the microphone, Olivera, without talking about you breaking some world records. Come on. <laughs> you mean there's loving ice cream and then there's breaking world records for eating it. What is this about? Yes. So it was a very interesting um, campaign that uh, that took place that was leading um, in the summer, two years ago, I do remember. It's summer, it's ice cream. We all like ice cream. We all like to have the, something interesting. So it came on my mind. I said, OK, I want to do something different. So the world record that, uh, that we broke is the uh, most different flavors of the ice cream displayed at the same time. The record that was held until dawn was 187. I said, you know what, I'm not going to do this for just, you know, breaking it for another few ice creams on. So I said, I'm going to do 1001. No, you didn't. There's not that many flavors. Oh, trust me. Certain (laughs) things were just like, you can't even imagine, right? That uh, that are coming and should not exist. It's like, I do, if I still recall, one of the weirdest one, it was sherry, coffee, bubblegum and mint. It was like, again, everything in one, right? Shouldn't shouldn't happen. What's your favorite flavor? (laughs) Chocolate. Good Chocolate one. is uh, is all about it. But yeah. the funny part of this uh, story about uh, the ice cream is that uh, the Guinness World Records, they actually have the rule and regulation every time that you're breaking the world record with food, there is no food wastage. So it's uh, it's really interesting from them to know, which I didn't read the, the small letters, <gasps> right? So let's say 350 flavors down the line of us breaking the, the record. Uh, we realized that we do not have enough people around us to consume everything. So it was me and two of my uh, friends who have eaten over 400 flavors of ice cream. Oh, you, had to t- you took it for the team. And now you will hopefully forever have that title. Last question. Where are you going this weekend? What's on your foodie list for the next few days? Foodie list next few days. I actually am going to check out the new place, the Tagomago, that they have opened on Palm. It's fantastic. I kept on hearing about it. So it's, this is going to be... Um, it's so, you know, everyone's doing this like Wes Anderson trend on Instagram and TikTok right now. It's this kind of orange and pink aesthetic, brilliant pair, chefs uh, from Babao. It's You'll have a great time. Yeah. I look forward to I'm seeing it. Really excited to, to try it. Olivera, thank you so much. You can be found at Food Goddess with one S, um, Emmy on Instagram. So you can check out those travels and please report back from World's 50 Best. It's going to be a really interesting list put together. This is Farmer's Kitchen on Dubai Eye 103.8. With Spinneys. Eat well, live well. We're taking you to Italy now. We've been in Portugal today. We've been, we've been traveling the world. Tiffany Essek from Spinney's joining us live on the line as we talk pasta. Tiff, how are you? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? I'm really well and for very selfish reasons, very excited because I went into my local Spinney's this morning, which is the Amsakim branch on Amal Sheaf Street, and there was a bit of a party going on. There was a ribbon <laughs> cutting. There was free coffee. There was all the Spinney's team really really excited and for good reason the cafe's open I, I, it's, exactly. it's, all, it's all been happening behind hoarding I had absolutely no idea it was going to be ready for you know 
the public's enjoyment. And then literally this morning I got there and was like, oh my goodness, it's open. This is fun. Honestly, and I don't just say this, this is going to be a real game changer for the neighbourhood. If anyone's not familiar with the Spinney's kind of cafe concept, because it's been really successful in Maidan Brunch, tell us a little bit about what it's all about. So, yeah, um, so the Maidan one is packed, whether it's during the week or on the weekend. Um, so it's just a really great place to be able to sample some of our fantastic food that's coming from our bakeries or from our chefs. Um, the one at Um Kim, if you want some tips, because I eat the one at Maidan all the time. Yes, tell me, tell me. Please try the mushrooms, the mushrooms on sourdough toast. I, I probably eat that every morning for breakfast. Um, there's also, you know, there's eggs, there's avocado, the smashed avo as well. And if you ask the chefs nicely, they will add a generous amount of chili to an omelette if you like a spicy omelette. Otherwise, you can have it plain. Um, but yeah, and also the fish and chips is, is yes. delicious. Yes, I was so, going to ask yeah. you about that. So yes, breakfast and there's, you know, coffees and pastries, five Durham donuts and the took my mm-hmm. uh, got my attention this morning <laughs> but also the main dishes and actually super family friendly so I will for sure go there with the kids because so reasonable you know 20 yeah. you know up to 35 dirhams for a main meal I'm I think it looks fantastic so yeah Jamira and M. Sakim crew Spinney's have definitely got you back with the new cafe opening so thank you for that yeah. <laughs> like it was just <laughs> for me as I walked in this morning <laughs> you've I'm been full of busy you are back in Dubai and that doesn't happen very often. You've been traveling an awful lot recently. Where have you just got back from? So I've just got back from Edinburgh and uh, Cornwall. We were fortunate enough to, you know, we, we really, we travel to meet all our trusted suppliers, um, you know, who make various Chinese food products for us. And um, so I was, yeah, I was there, but I was also in Italy. Um, I've just had a really good spot of traveling and now I'm here for a while. Um, but yeah. So I'm back and uh, eating too much on these trips, but you know you've got to give in. Well, let's let's talk. Let's talk Italy. We're going to be delving into the world of pasta now. Um, tell us a little bit about what you stock and crucially why. Tell us tell us a little bit about some of the sourcing that's been going on. Yeah, so from Italy we source a variety of products um, and. All the families that we source from, you know, they've been in business for some more than a hundred years. Um, so, you know, whether that's balsamic vinegar, Parmigiano Reggiano, um, pasta, olive oil. Um, and so we recent on this trip, we, you know, we visited about five suppliers. Um, and the Baruto family, who are based in Torino, um, they have been in business, what they thought, since 1881, but they've just discovered, uh, they were going through some archives, that it's actually their family has been around since 1809, farming, uh, you know, and, and they had a mill and they were growing wheat. The, the pasta business came a bit later, but, you know, I mean, that's just great. So you, you really are dealing that's with like amazing. centuries of experience. You know, um, and now at the helm are Stefano and Matteo, their brothers, and then their sister also works in the company. And they were just so lovely. Um, you know, they're in Piemonte in this tiny little village called uh, Comagnola. You look up and you've got the Alps as the backdrop, the Monbises right there. And then you've got this wonderful oh. pasta factory. Um, yeah. Can, can I ask then, how do they kind of acknowledge their traditions and you know the roots of the family business with you know presumably trying to keep up with demand and technology yes. what what does what did you see in the factory in that respect well yeah, what was great was that you know you walk in and you see this ultra modern area where they've got this lasagna making machine from you know it looks like from the future um which was fantastic to see but then you're also seeing the pasta makers 
on the factory floor who are checking every step of the process, like whether they're checking the dough and you see them running it through their hands or they're monitoring the shapes and, and just the, the attention to quality and detail that we saw at the pasta factory as well as the other suppliers. It was just, it was so apparent, you know. Um, and then, you know, you've got this wonderful supersonic area that's light and bright. And then you go into the place, which is equally, you know, sort of technologically driven, but it's more, the machines have been used for a number of years. But they're putting out shapes like Fusilli and the spaghetti. And it was like, um, Ankit turned to me, actually, our social media manager, and he said, you know, it's like this pasta sort of theme park. And I looked, and it was. You know, you have <laughs> baskets of, like, pasta shapes that are going in a sort of, you know, like a big wheel around you. And then Fusilli shooting down the slide. And you just, you think, this is, this is great. I'm going to live here for a while. They're yeah. having a great time. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tiff, you are, you are a, a very accomplished chef yourself would you ever make pasta yourself yes i love doing it i think it's really relaxing i remember the first time i tried to make pasta actually with my friend and i just i I don't know what i did i mean it's so simple to make but i managed to mess it up but then after that i never ever you know made a mistake i put too much water in um but yeah it's it's so easy and you just need to get a a pasta machine which i mean you could try and roll it by hand if you wanted to but a pasta machine is much easier and you know, you, as you get confident, you can you can try using different shapes, you're making different shapes. You can try sort of filling pasta with herbs or, or you know, anything that you want to play around with. Um, I haven't tried doing coloured pasta yet, like, you know, dyeing it with natural food dyes. Um, but just yeah, so squid ink or something. Now, yeah. can I ask you then about match, matching sauces with shapes? Because apparently this is something of an art. You know, you should never have this. I mean, I don't know. I've no idea. But what are some of your favourite shapes and sauce combos? Whether it is from you know a jar and spinnies and you know a, a, a packet from a burrito, or whether it's something you're making at home. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know all the rules of these. You know, as you go to Italy, every time you, you get more and more rules about how you should eat your pasta. Um, I like to do like just a simple cacio pepe. I think it's. I mean, I even have a tote bag that has cacio pepe written on it. That's how obsessed I am with this pasta. Um, so you know that I always use spaghetti. Um, then if you've got something like a, a seafood sauce, like a vongole, I try to either do again spaghetti or linguine i seem to be a fan of spaghetti um farfalle, that's always nice um if you're can doing I, can i ask you yeah mm. no 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 go on don't worry. i don't want to oh. stop you mid mid flow in pasta chat if you're doing a what if you're doing something that's like you've got a thick heavy sauce you obviously don't want like a flimsy pasta shape you know so that's that's mm. what i always keep in mind um yeah you want a good balance pairings where's mm. good for old uh, cacio and pepe uh, pasta in Dubai, where where's on your on your recommended hit list? My kitchen. <laughs> oh, um, you're so yeah. <laughs> that one. I Tiffany's will. place. <laughs> That's you. You you back yourself on that. Fair enough. Um, Let me know when the invitation comes through. <laughs> uh, but that, I I had a really good one at oh my goodness at the Bulgari actually, which sounds very fancy oh, and it was very yeah. fancy, but it's not somewhere I go very often. Um, so yeah. I would recommend that. But if anyone's got some good pasta recommendations, yeah. um, you know who is what about innovate? Oh, sorry, for Ooh. Bungalow Thirty Four, have you tried uh, Tasha's amazing um, seafood pasta? That. That no, is really worth trying. Yeah, it's um, really, really good. Um, I'm sort of obsessing about that at the moment. 
Um, speaking of obsessing, we've got a 500 dirham voucher up for grabs this afternoon. Lots of people getting in touch saying, what is missing from Dubai on the food front? Some restaurants or some cuisines and some some products and, uh, and spinnies as well. I will send you some screenshots so you can make some dreams come true. Um, if you were to win Thank 500 you. dirhams to spend in spinnies, Tiffany, what would you be spending that on this afternoon? Well, this morning when I was at the cafe opening, I saw these beautiful globe artichoke plants as you walk into um, Sikkim. Um, so I actually asked Muna from the store to please keep some aside for me so I can go and buy those tomorrow. Aww. So I would, I flowers. I think I would just spend it, you know, like tons and tons of flowers. Yeah, and plants. I love that. Tiff, thank mm-hmm. you so much. The new issue of Nourish magazine is on shelves now. I have an article in there about some, speaking of Italy, some family-friendly mm-hmm. pasta places from Pitfire to Russell Kamer. So if you do love your pizza, make sure you check that out. Um, Tiff, have a lovely, lovely weekend ahead. Um, always appreciate your insights. And I think you've got the whole of Dubai craving a nice bowl of comforting pasta now. Have a good one. We'll talk to you very, very soon. to know what do you think is missing from Dubai it could be a dish a restaurant from home something that you'd love to find in the supermarket we could share that with our good friends in spinnies um, and make it happen for Mohammed a Greg style bakery that's the first thing I do when I get to Newcastle airport I uh, I go straight to Greg's um, we've got street food from my home country from Junaid Junaid I need to know where you're from for Clive a proper greasy spoon cafe do you know what? Even like a roadside van that would have things like a gut buster sandwich. I'm with you. And another shout from Greg's from Neil. We need to make this happen. They're vegetable pasties and jam, jam donuts. And for Isabella, I think Dubai is missing a vegan Korean fried chicken restaurant or any vegan fried chicken. Okay. You might need to start this. And for Susan, she's with me. A proper sandwich shop too, but also selling pasties and pies. Do you know what? You might be onto something with the pasties, but I do know someone who does some really good ones. I might be able to share more next week. I've got to say, an awful lot of you saying Greg's. <laughs> We've also had Anita shouting out for a Singaporean-style neighborhood coffee shop serving authentic Hainese chicken. That sounds amazing. Uh, we've also had messages about Malaysian food. Algerian food is missing, says Adrian. Um, like Kezra and Mehajab, I hope I said that right. And fake meat food that's actually tasty, says Sue. What about you? Thailand butter tarts, says Tina. Pranjat giving a shout out to Montreal style smoked meat sandwiches. Oh, that sounds amazing. And Ian, I'm not so sure that we're missing deep fried haggis, but if you think there's a market, sir, then, then I back you on that. Uh, Leah saying tato crisps. Oh, truth. Uh, Grace, this is this is interesting, saying um, vegan and vegetarian shawarma. And Isabella saying, I'd like to see, and I really hope I say this right, gochujang. It's a Korean red pepper paste in spinnies. It's not available in all supermarkets. And I'd love to see it in spinnies too. And Fatima giving a shout out to steak and kidney pudding. Thanks for being with us on this episode of Farmer's Kitchen. You can tune in live every single Friday afternoon between 2 and 5 on Dubai Eye 103.8.